is an indictment on the system that the, the men are this good and the women are down here. They have to be investing, and they are investing resources and money in it, but it's got to be smart as well. They've got to be seeing this as, as a major, major issue. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Gaelic football on Off The Ball With AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship Check out hashtag the toughest for more Alright, we're turning our attention to the Cross McGlen Derby is what nobody's calling it But I'm delighted to say Paul Herdy is with us to help us preview Sligo against Wicklow Paul, good afternoon to you, how are you? Afternoon, Joe. How are you? How's things? Oshie McConville revealed that you guys still have a WhatsApp group and he said that there has been some talk of this game in the WhatsApp group. Can you confirm or deny? I can confirm there has been a wee bit of uh, slagging on there. Uh, I will not say abuse, no, but uh, <laughs> gentle encouragement towards the two boys. But uh, it's, all been, it's all been good banter and uh, good fun. But uh, it's a wee bit unique, I suppose, there was a bit of chat at the start of the season about just meeting for the league game between the two of them. And now it turns out it's a league final between the two of them. So it's a, it's another another plot line in a, in a very interesting story, you know. McIntyre must be looking at him going, Jesus Christ, here's the prodigal son. I've been slaving for years and years and years to get Sligo to this point. Your man shows up and all of a sudden we're going toe-to-toe in a final. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. Tony's there. This is, I think they told you on his project and... Uh, slogging through Talton Cups on the way to America and championship matches and all this and then Washington tips in the first year and gets into the league final yeah it just it seems to have a, a bit of a magic touch about him there Oshin. they do seem like very different characters uh, just from like talking to them over the years that uh, I, I know you know they're, they're both brilliant obviously clearly brilliant football minds and brilliant footballers but two different men it's fair to say yeah definitely you know I've been privileged, I suppose, to play with them most of my adult career and part of my juvenile career. They're a wee bit uh, older than me, but uh, totally, totally different men. Oshin, Oshin, I suppose, would be, as a manager on the line, I suppose he'd be kicking every ball with you, egging every play, wanting you to be brilliant on the ball all the time. Where Tony, probably a wee bit more chilled, a wee bit more relaxed, laid back. Well, that's the possession or uh, the possession we give towards on the lane. But uh, behind it all, very driven person as well, and very professional in what he does. But uh, two fantastic characters, and you know, driven for success. You know, they've been captains of the club uh, over the years to to numerous titles and leaders right across every team they've been part of. And you know, it's the same attributes come true in the, in both of them but uh, in their own unique way, which is uh, two totally contrasting styles. But, um, uh, you know, I, sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think that uh, whenever Tony has finished his managerial career, there's going to be an incredible career in punditry as well, because he's literally one of the most blunt analysts of a game that I've ever heard talking about football. It's like very factual, black and white. And if you haven't performed well, you're getting told about it. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot to be said for that in sport. You know, there's a, a lot of boys out there would be tiptoeing around the subject and trying to find a, a roundabout way of telling you something. Whereas, you know, I have uh, played with Tony, but I've also been managed by Tony. And he's told me a, fair, a few times though, certain, <laughs> on certain terms what he expects of me. And as you say, in black and white, black and, white and, a, and a blunt instrument, shall we say. But uh, I think there's, you know, that that is a good way of managing people. You have to have that sort of character about you. And 
he, he hasn't changed. That's the way he is. And if he finds something that has to be said, oh, he'll tell you. <laughs> was he like that as a player as well? Yeah, certainly. In the change room, if he felt there was something that had to be said, it, there was no tiptoeing around it. You, you're either, you either do this that way or just get out of my way and we'll get someone that will. It just that's, It's just the way black and white, the way it was, and he told you straight. Uh, I mean, I, to, to go back a little bit, I, I suspect a lot of people are kind of coming to this narrative now and they would know the two lads as managers, certainly younger generations. Can you just remind everybody um, how good a player Tony was and, and what his influence on games would have been, particularly those big club games that you would have played with him? Yeah, like Tony all through underage the whole way up through to his senior career, Tony was a go-to player between, he played in front of me at full back, center half forward, full forward, midfield, very versatile, very strong, great in the air. You know, if you need a, if you need, if you're under pressure and you need a ball caught in the middle of the field, get get the ball out to Tony on a, on a, on a side, and he invariably would have caught the ball. No matter if the Tony was about six foot, six foot one, it wouldn't matter if the man beside him was six three, six four. Tony had a wee shake at the hip, or you know, he just fantastic hands and could judge a ball to perfection. And and the same could be said with the ball coming in on the crossbar. You know, if Tony was in the lane with you, which he was a lot of the time beside me, there was no point me going for it because Tony was fantastic in the air. And uh, he just, any leadership through the lanes, he, he could read the game. Tony was never the fastest and John the same probably, they're never, the, but they're always at two or three yards upstairs in their head and they could read the game very well and just be in the right place at the right time and you know, I don't know how some players do that. It's just it's just a natural instinct he had, and uh, he was you know very good in that respect. When you were kids, did you did you know that he was going to make it to senior intercounty level fairly early on? Yeah, definitely. Like we, I would have played with two boys under 12, 14, 16 and that there, and they were just bigger, stronger, and just better footballers than everybody else at at every stage of their career. And the study, like there was, there was games that we would have played on the 14, 16. He could have got the ball on the 14 yard lane, soloed the whole way down the field, threw men and younger boys out of the road and stuck it in the net. You know, they were just stood out at every age grade going up through the ages. They just were that good, yeah. There's a lot of pressure on a, on a, a young player who can come through like that. Many of them don't make it because for whatever reason it's a little bit easy for them at underage level and they ease off on the work and they don't do the extra skills they don't make sure that they're able to kick off both feet or they don't make sure that they're able to hand pass off both hands but it strikes mm. me that um, the McEntees weren't shy on, on making sure that they were getting better the whole time Yeah exactly they didn't they didn't rest on the laurels like we would have played around, around with them in the square here and cross playing kicking ball all the time and it was them that was always encouraging us you know, to practice with your left foot and your right hand and your right foot and left foot, all and practicing your skills all the time. There was always them, even though they were younger, they were encouraging us as other players, to, teammates, to to practice all the skills and be very good at at all your attributes, left, right, as I say, foot and hands. And they were all always encouraging us all the time. And that that just went through the whole way through their careers. They were always very encouraging. They were never really negative for anything like that there. And you could see them skills and attributes coming through in them all the time, you know. But as you say, some players growing up maybe they were very excelled in underage level 
and uh, then they didn't transfer that to seniors or it took them maybe too long to come through but even from I remember I was taking on Joe Kernan took us on me, Self and I think Francie Value and the two McIntees at the same time I think in 1985 and they were they just they just were straight into the team from day one and it didn't matter they just uh, flowed and they just gelled with everybody else from from their first season In retrospect it was a pretty good cross team you had <laughs> Yeah it, it, we, were, we were blessed probably with the age profile of the team and some of the players that we played alongside uh, that it did sort of seamlessly go on with the older players would have protected the two McIntees when they were probably coming in to the you know starting off at 17 18 when we started off in the first season they didn't need much protection mind you but you know there would have been some boys to see a younger player coming on you know yourself right, let's give this fella a wee clip and show him what, what the big boys game is about but uh, they were well fit to, to stand out it didn't take them long to where the two boys are well fit to look after themselves you know yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that would. <laughs> they, were, they certainly were well able to for the rest of their career as well. Come here. The the on the flip side of it. Um, one last question on that. Sorry, I, uh, I meant to ask you this a bit earlier. You said you were managed by him as well. Am I right in saying he went pretty much straight from being on the team to retired to managing the team almost straight away? Pretty much. Yeah, we unfortunately we were going for the 13 in a row in Armagh, and we were beat by Kilmacud Crokes actually in the Ireland final in 09. And then they stayed on. We were going for the 13 in a row in the club championship and we were beaten in the quarterfinal by Pierce Oaks. And after that, John and Tony and I think John Donison and Cal Short all retired. And everybody thought this was the end of the team and that there. There was too much of a, a loss with such experience and good players to leave the team at the one time. But then after that, I think it was 2010, Tony McEntee and Gareth O'Neill took over the team after we were defeated. And... Uh, they came in and we went on and won two All-Irelands in a row, All-Ireland clubs, with Tony at the helm. So basically it was it was pretty much six months later and Tony was managing the, the senior team here in Cross McLean. And then John retired, but uh, Tony coaxed him back in for the Ulster Club Championship and uh, got John back playing. He played towards the, in the Ulster Club and the Ireland Club and it was a great uh, help to the younger fellas because we transitioned from nearly an older team to a, a really young profile of a team in that few months and uh, it turned out pretty well. Uh, I mean, it's really remarkable, isn't it? To be able to do that and because everybody always says oh, the hardest part is then going to manage your friends or players who you've been with and like telling them they're dropped or ordering them what to do but it doesn't seem like that was a problem. That wasn't a problem. <clears throat> Excuse me, and as you alluded to earlier, Tony can be pretty blunt. So that didn't that, from the field that transferred from the teammates into the management style, and <laughs> it didn't take much from and like it's water of a duck's back to Tony. He just he just did things the way he thought, and probably along with with Gareth at the time, and it worked pretty well. And the, like it pretty much Gareth it seemed to be the two of them at that time were a bit of a good cop, bad cop. And uh, believe it or not, Tony was the good cop. Right. That sounds <laughs> and, uh, to me, Paul, more like bad cop, worst cop, to be honest. But OK. <laughs> well, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Tony was pretty, pretty, he's, he was blunt, but he's very, he's pretty articulate and uh, pretty good at putting points forward and, and, and motivating players. Very good, very good man manager. Very good, knows the way he wants to play the game. And that came through from, from his playing style. And then it transferred on to his management and coaching 
And, uh, you know, it, it, paid, it paid dividends and he, he got his just reward. Did it change the style at all from what was there previously? Was there an, uh, an evolution, an iteration? What, or was it kind of just let's go back to doing being ourselves? No, it actually was a bit of a style change because the the players that I mentioned before, the retired the likes of uh, John Donis and the culture were all bigger, sort of stronger players. And we sort of bulldozed a lot of teams that time with sort of strength as well as, you know, football football and ability as well. We seemed to be a bigger, stronger team. But when they took over, we, we had a, a, an influx of really good minor teams who won a couple of minors in a row and under 21s and they were pretty impressive coming through the likes of Paul McKeown and the, the two Kernans and Aaron Cunningham Francis Hannity we had a really good team that came through and they all seemed smaller skillful and more mobile so the whole football did change their style did play from maybe a long really long team to a more sort of calculated 30-40 yard foot passing which I think was pretty evident with that team stale through that period. It was it was pretty good, great football, you know, to watch. And uh, we got a reputation probably for playing really good long football and you know good running off the ball. And it, you know, I suppose when you look back at that style of football at the time, it, it was really really entertaining to watch. And we got that sort of reputation for being a, a really good team to watch playing football. And that came from Tony and the way they played and the way the dynamic they played with. So the profile of the player that they had, smaller, faster, and should I say more skillful players. And with Oshin, uh, in the, the first year you won it there, I was just checking, he was top scorer in the championship in the All-Ireland Championship Series with 227. So managed by Tony McEntee, top scorer is Oshin. Yeah. Listen, that man, he was like a fine wine. He, he sort of got sweeter with age, as you know. He, he sort of, even after he retired from the county, I think he retired from the county in oh, eight oh nine. And then went on, you know, we concentrated on 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 its club career, and he was absolutely the go-to man for us at all the times. And maybe he didn't have to do as many yards because he had a younger, uh, more mobile team around him. But he certainly, you know, he was getting on the end of things, finishing. You know, he's a, he was still brilliant from freeze. And if you needed a point, and I think sort of what optimized that was the seven or eight steps he took probably to finish get a draw against. Uh, Oh, Dr. Crokes and Kerry to get us a draw in uh, the All Ireland final, and I think that was 07, 08. And you know, he we needed someone to get a score, and Oshin was always there. You know what I mean? And he he was fantastic through them years as well. There are so many All Ireland finals, Paul. It's difficult for you to remember them. (laughs) He has six titles. How many do you have? Yeah, me and him have the six. Yeah, that's not bad, is it? Uh, It wasn't a bad innings, no. (laughs) Blessed to be honest. like, will they be talking this week or will they be ignoring each other this week and talking to each other on Monday? What do you think? Well, they have to talk because Zashin's done the 12 manager and Tony's the the youth officer in the club. So we have to organise training between them and myself and uh, Stephen Kerr and that's on the 16th manager. So they're all, we're always sort of bumping into each other on the pitch and that there. I'd say probably this week he, he, not, he hasn't been about because he's probably organising for the final of the weekend. But they'll be on the phone, who's taking training, what team field slots are at and all these sort of bits and pieces. But whether they'll chat about Crow Park on Saturday, I don't think that might be on the agenda. <laughs> Suddenly the under-12s find that there's no pitches available and, uh, you know, that's... Um... <laughs> 
advantage to uh, Sligo. Um, it is a bit <laughs> mad. It, I mean, it must be a bit mad. Did you kind of expect that that team was going to produce loads of managers who would go off and, and manage teams? Like, when you're playing, you probably don't think like that. But in retrospect, when you think about the success you had and the deep understanding you have in that group of how football should be played, when it's successful, when it's not successful, how to bring young players through, how to survive the pitfalls of Armagh and dominate it the way your team did. Was it automatic in your head that like there's a lot of really good managers in this dressing room already? Yeah, I think I think when you have that sort of player and dynamic in a team with leadership qualities and, you know, driven lads that that demand more of their teammates throughout the throughout the pitch. I think when you play football to that high level and then you lose that, the next logical step is probably to go into coaching and win the management because you don't get that kick from anything else. You don't you know, playing football is the be all and end all for a player, being out there in the big days and you don't get that anywhere else. So I think as I said, the logical step is to go into management and try and have an influence on the young fellas coming through and show them the way you think, because you have that experience on playing in, in big days and having big championship wins under your belt. And if you if you can try and take that in, you know, the boys have, have done that at club level and went through the senior teams and then they've been to other other clubs and counties. In Tony's case, Tony's been to, you know, he's been to Mayo for, for a few years. So he's, as a coach, so he's brought that through now to Sligo on his... Uh, as as the manager, so you know it's it's just a natural progression, I think, for players of of that ilk and that quality that 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 they just feel a need to to go and be a manager and try and bring that out in, in players and and get some joy or some buzz and uh, enjoyment out of that. And the leadership qualities that they have is is evident too, like in in their own different, very different styles. But I, I I'm just sitting here wondering, is there a bit in the future where they kind of partner up as a dream team? And take the Armagh gig. Where are you going with this, Chair? <laughs> yeah, that, listen, I think it's the. I would imagine at some stage to probably have to be in lane for that job, because listen, Geezer's not going to be there forever. If it's if it's uh, somewhere down the lane, they'll probably want to get a good few years outside the Armagh job. A bit like uh, Ron O'Gara, who went around to France, went to New Zealand, went to Australia, and got all his wee bits and pieces done his ducks in a row, getting experience from everywhere. And I suppose a lot of players would do do that now. Go go and manage somewhere else. Go and get a a feel for different provinces and how they play football, and different uh, you know philosophies, I suppose, and styles, and sort of bring that together and maybe at some stage when the time's right take take the job at home and uh, if it come up and it could be too soon for the likes of Ashing he's only in his first year Tony's well down the beaten track now with three years and the job could be up for grabs and maybe a two or three and another couple of seasons so maybe at that time they might feel it's a right a right uh, fit for them and it fits into their in the schedule why not they'll be in the mix they have to be because they're inter-county managers now so I'm sure they'll be they'll be uh, on the top 
couple of names for the job when it if it ever does come up in yeah. the next couple of seasons, you know. Yeah, and legends as well. Like uh, it helps when you you back up being a legendary player with then a track record of success. And they both obviously have demonstrated. One last thing: would, would they have similar styles? Is, is Oshin's style of football is his philosophy across philosophy that you all share, or are you sitting there rowing at the under twelve matches, going, "Why why are we playing this way? This is not this is not who we are. It's not our identity." Uh, well, I think. That that certainly is. Two of them have played in the forward lane before, and there would be a forwards coach. But I think that it has to evolve the way the game has gone. You can't. You probably couldn't. Can't go the way Cross went for years and be gung ho all the time and spraying 40, 50 yard passes in the forward lanes. But because, as you know yourself, Jerry, the way football has evolved, it's it's a uh, fifteen team to attack and fifteen team to defend, and you've blanket defences and counter attacks and you know the long ball only is it's a brief it's a brief time you if you win back a, a turnover and to transfer that ball and most teams don't have players up the field where you can spray a 60 yard pass anymore so I think the game has evolved that much now that that game you don't see it as all you don't see it played in every player but it, it can it can be a, a something a tool to use in, in transition between defence and attack the odd time but the way the game is played now it seems to be more running game patience build up play and uh, you know you'd rather it be the other way obviously but Aye. the way the game has evolved now it is it's it's not entirely possible the thing yeah. Paul- so the two, the two of them have to evolve the style to, to accommodate today's game so you're not saying they couldn't work together that's what I'm hearing here you're saying oh, there's a chance the- there is a chance you're telling me there's a chance <laughs> a bit of Jim Carrey there uh, yeah there is a chance John John and Oshin worked together with us in 2014 2015 and got an Ulster club title out of Cross so they're all best mates whether they whether they can bring that together at some stage in the future at county level that is yet to be decided <laughs> well sure look isn't it uh, proper barroom talk for a Friday night Paul enjoy the game this weekend thanks a million for joining us cheers not a problem, Joe. All the best. Thank you. That's Paul Herity there. The game itself obviously throws in tomorrow afternoon at five o'clock. It's going to be a pretty decent weekend of Gaelic football action. If you have any views on that, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch. 53106, the text number. You can tweet the show at Off The Ball. Gaelic football on Off The Ball is in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Check out the hashtag The Toughest for more. Gaelic football on Off The Ball with AIB proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship check out hashtag the toughest for more